Howdy, howdy do, Who fans, and welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And welcome to episode 273. Yes. One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine. Our lives are different to anybody else's. That's the exciting thing. Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow, so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. You may be a doctor, but I'm the doctor. The definite article, you might say. The trouble with time travel is, one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor. For now, for this moment, I am the doctor again. The ground beneath our feet is spinning at a thousand miles an hour. And the entire planet is hurtling around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour. And I can feel it. We're falling through space, you and me. People assume that time is a strict progression of cause to effect. But actually, from a non-linear, non-subjective viewpoint, it's more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. I could be a curator. I'd be great at curating. I'd be the great curator. (laughs) I could retire and do that. I'm the doctor. I've lived for over 2,000 years. And not all of them were good. I've made many mistakes, and it's about time that I did something about that. Bit of adrenaline, dash of outrage, and a hint of panic knitted my brain back together. I know exactly who I am. I'm the Doctor. Sorting out fair play throughout the universe. Hey, 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 who fans? Welcome back. Hope you're all safe and well. You've had a cracking week and that you've all managed to do something. something. Doctor Who related. Related. <laughs> yes, hello, Carol. Come through to the conservatory, please. I'd like to do something <laughs> Doctor related. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you. Uh, lockdown's easing up a little bit, dude. <laughs> yeah. Which is just good. A bit. Just a little yeah. bit. Yep. Here in the UK, we've just had old Bojo give a little news update to say that July 4th, You'll be able to go to the pub, go and do something else. I think you can hug your nan still. I think that's I, still a thing, or maybe not. I'm not sure, but I cannot keep track. the 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 yeah. rules are changing so thick and fast right now, back and forth. I have no idea what we're allowed to do right now. To be honest, I genuinely don't. I don't know what's allowed, what isn't allowed. I haven't yeah. got a clue, mate. Yeah, I'll tell you what. I bet Boris is um looking forward to the hairdressers opening though. Have you seen his hair? <laughs> What is going on? He's auditioning for Wurzel Gummidge. He's going to try and overtake Mackenzie <laughs> Crook and sort of muscle his way into Wurzel. Yeah, it'd be great. He would fit right in there. <laughs> I'm going to get this pot. Don't need a wig. Don't need a wig. Straight in. <laughs> his hair's gone crazy. It looks like he's got a Muppet going. <laughs> it on, does. It? It I'll tell crazy. you what, dude. Talking of hair, I really need to get to the barbers. The last time I went to the barbers, I think was about nine weeks ago mm. something like that and my um uh, my stepson he's pretty handy with the old clippings off he gave me a tidy up uh, a few weeks into lockdown but since then i've just got this horrible bloody comb overy quiffy wavy thing going on <laughs> it's driving me mad 
You should have let your beard go like ZZ Top. <laughs> Lockdown ZZ Top beard. We'll just... Well, I'm your good beard with... is getting long. Yeah, I'm okay with a beard. I can trim that up. It's fine. But yeah. the old uh, the old barnet is just getting out of control. I don't really have that issue because I don't really have a lot of hair. So I just, I did a quick grey tool all over for me. It's easy. <laughs> Anybody can do it. Yeah, you're okay actually, aren't you? Just yeah, five minutes all over. Done. Job done. Yeah. yeah. Job done. Yes, yeah. Uh, but we hope all of our listeners are doing all right and that you've all managed to get to somewhere that can sort your hair out, whether you know somebody or you've had a go at it by yourself in front of the mirror. That's always fun. I've seen a few Facebook videos of people who've had a go mm-hmm. and then they've just resorted to, like you, just clipping it all off because they've messed yeah. it up. That's quite funny. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, not much has been going on in the world of Doctor Who. Uh, we have got one piece of news that's worthy to talk through in a piece of merch, some upcoming merch. Other than that, fairly, fairly quiet. I've heard a few rumblings on Twitter earlier. Just going to say, yeah, Radio Times seem to be dishing out a few rumbling rumours, don't they, about what you going to say about filming being delayed and stuff? I was, plus something yeah. else, yeah. What, what was the other thing? Filming. So the other thing is uh, we've, we've had a, a soft confirmation, I guess that the upcoming Blu-ray box set collections are going to be either a Hartnell or a Troughton or both. Ooh, oh, really? Yes. Funny enough, I only said this morning, um, I was in a, looking at one of the Doctor Who chats and someone was saying about Big Finish and that, and I said, hey, isn't it about time we had an, another Blu-ray announcement? It seems like ages since we were given a, you know, any anything about the Blu-ray set. So, um, yeah, it'd be good if we do get an official announcement. I'm I'm up for a Hartnell or a Troughton. That'd be, in fact, I would love that if we oh. got a Hartnell or Troughton next. That'd be amazing, dude. It would. I know uh, for a long time, Series Twenty was rumoured, wasn't it? The um, Davison, is it Season Twenty that his middle season? Oh yeah, uh, yeah. That was rumoured for quite a while. I don't know if that's been put on a back burner, but we've had a, f- yeah, we've had a five, we've had a few Toms, we've had a Pertwee. So let's have, yeah, it'd be great to have some black and white. I'd love it. Yeah, series twenty. That's the um, Black Guardian favor- stuff, isn't it? That's the, yeah. yeah, yeah. Not one of my favourite seasons. I'll be honest with you, because I don't mind Peter, but uh, his middle season is very hit and miss for me. Um, well, but it, yeah, I'd love to see some Hartnell on Blu-ray, wouldn't you? Be great because I, I do love Hartnell, as you know. Yeah, it'd be awesome. I mean, series twenty does cap off with the old five Doctors, though, mate. Yeah, true. I think that would save it. That would save that would it. Yeah. Save it. Yeah. How cool would it be though? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Seeing some black and white who in the mm. getting the treatment like the picture tidy up and remaster and all that stuff. That would be cool. Um it it's just does make Yeah. What do you do with all the missing stuff? I mean Yeah. That's what I was gonna say. How would they do that? So because I know they've animated a few Troutons, but they I don't think they've animated enough stories to do complete sets yet have they they surely wouldn't put telly snaps on a blimmin blu-ray would they can you imagine the underwater menace telly snaps on a blu-ray they'd look absolutely <laughs> i know they yeah. i know they'd remaster them but no yeah. i couldn't stand that maybe that's part of the budget for it maybe some of those older series where a big chunk of it's missing maybe part of that budget is to animate animate the missing stuff i would hope so because i think um i remember hearing ages ago that they were hope, they were sort of getting out the sort of some of the most popular Blu-rays, and then the money from that sort of would fund animation. I'm not that sounds very 
basic, but I think that was the sort of gist of it, how how it worked, that they, you know, to get sort of funds for animation, they -hmm. needed to sort of um, get some of the complete sets out first. That sounds a very sort of black and white way of putting it, but you know what I mean? I think it was, you know, as long as those sold well, which obviously they have, um, yeah, it was a sort of good basis for them to, to warrant getting animations done for the missing episode. So, I mean, I, I would think if they're going to do these brilliant Blu-ray sets, they're going to have to animate them. It can't be Telesnap. It just wouldn't, I don't know, it just wouldn't be, because those sets are like the sort of definitive version of the season, aren't they? So for you now, want it to be, yeah, yeah for now. Yeah. <laughs> I know what you mean. Yeah, it would fall a bit flat, wouldn't it, if we had some some big hype for the, for the Blu-ray collection and then you got it and it's just the same telly snaps that we've seen before that would be it'd be okay wouldn't be the end of the world but it would be much better to have them animated and like a proper Troughton-esque style that we've seen done really well over the last year or so I'll read you Troughton's the one with the most missing isn't he so yeah I think I guess they're going to be the most difficult to to release as complete sets um Hartnell I always think it's such a shame that we're missing um part four or ten planet can never quite get over that (laughs) you know, of all the episodes. I mean, thank goodness we've got the first regeneration, <laughs> um, which I think is down to Blue Peter. It's not someone like that. They, they managed to get that clip from right. or something, like something that. or other. Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, it'd be good to have, have that. Mm. Yeah. Cause it will help us as well, ultimately, because we can then review all of those stories. Cause we've still got a big chunk of, of Hartnell to do. But it's yeah, quite, true. quite difficult when you haven't actually got the... I mean, we could do it with telesnaps. We could do our best to to just hear the audio and watch the telesnaps mixed in with some of the stuff they have got. They'd be okay, but... I do struggle yeah. with them. I must admit, it, I zone out a lot with the telesnaps. <laughs> I'm much better, even um, if I'm just listening to audio, I think I'm better at, at that. I, I tend to... I don't know what it is about telesnaps. They just... Don't do it for me. But by the time this podcast out, it's quite possible that announcement will have been made. So if you're listening to this and that has been officially announced, then uh, amazing. But um, yeah, it's just a rumble at the minute, isn't it? But it must be nearly time for an announcement. It's got to be. Well, of course, yeah, because um, we should be pre-ordering by now, <laughs> yeah. whichever the next one was going to be. So. They did reissue season 14, didn't they? Because there was a lot of, uh, once again, there was a lot of people that missed out. So they they have done a reissue of that, haven't they? Um, they which I think did, comes out yes. next, July, beginning of July, I suppose it's supposed to be out or something. Yeah. So that's good. It, I saw, I'm, I'm sure I saw as well that they were going to reissue series 12, season 12. Where did I see Oh, that? I think they, they already did, didn't they? They did a second edition of it and they completely... The Pertwee uh, one, the Pertwee. Oh, no, not Pertwee. Oh, they, yeah, they haven't reissued that yet. Sorry, what series they, was his one? Uh, it Tom was season 12, wasn't it? Yeah, that was the first one that came out, wasn't it? And they reissued that, but then they, they put the wrong... Well, they were the right discs, but with the wrong... They had the Pertwee printing on the disc, so it looked like they'd got season 10, I think it was. But it actually had the right stories on it. So they completely and utterly uh, messed up the reissue of season 12. Um, yeah, I think it's season 10 you're thinking of. It probably we, is, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They haven't reissued that yet. Why, why don't they just, I don't know. Why don't they just do them as standard editions for goodness sake and just make them available for, you know, I know the limited editions are nice and they, they are lovely and please may they continue to do it. But after they've done that, if they get, instead of just keep reissuing the limited editions, 
<laughs> as second editions, just blimmin' make them available as standard editions or something. Yeah, because that's that's, already sold out, isn't it? The new, the second edition of season fourteen's already sold out, mm-hmm. and it's there's so they'll they'll be all on eBay again because people just buy them up and sell them. <laughs> so crazy, mate. Crazy, crazy, crazy goings on. Yeah, but we say it every time though, every time we say that if you want it, you've got to pre-order it. Which yeah. actually sucks, to be honest with you, because we've had quite a few people over the past, I don't know. It might have been when they were doing that re-release, or the one before that. We had a load of people uh, contact us to say, have you heard about this as well? You know, they put their pre-order in, and then they got contacted to say, oh, by the way, we can't do your pre-order, basically. We've either we screwed up with it. like the allocation amount of stock or whatever, mm. or we've just screwed up on our systems, whichever one it was. But that sucks as well. So we can say all day long, yeah, you have to pre-order it if you want it. But even that doesn't guarantee you a, a box set, which is really awful, really. Is it? Uh, that worries me, actually, because I'm one of those people, I will always I will always pre-order that straight away because they don't take the money to its dispatch. I'm like, right, get that pre-ordered. <laughs> but yeah, you're absolutely right because there were some people that pre-ordered it on the day that at the time didn't get it. They, they were like, how how can this be? I pre-ordered it the, the day it came out and I've got an email saying, you know, you can't supply it. And yet people who ordered it perhaps just before the, you know, have got it. So there's, I don't know how they decide, you know, to process the orders, but unfortunately even that doesn't seem to be a guarantee, which is quite worrying really, isn't it? Cause you assume once you've got that pre-order in, if you've done it on the day, you think, right, that's good. I've got that in the bag. Mm-hmm. So if you then get an email, you'd be, I'd be fuming. <laughs> Cause I was lucky enough. My, my pre-order was fulfilled, but Yeah. If I hadn't been, I'd have been absolutely steaming. It's the master. Mm. The master's running the stock allocation system. Yeah. Imagine that. It's not Dalek Tat, is it? He hasn't got his part, a part-time job down in Amazon <laughs> or something, has he? Okay. Well, it wouldn't surprise me. down there. Yeah. It's, um, I can just imagine, like, you could really troll people. It'd be awful. It'd be terrible. But instead of just saying, oh, there's a problem with stock, we can't fulfill your order, just send a GIF, like a little video file of... Or vainly, like <laughs> just on loop. Yeah. <laughs> he has got a brilliant um, panto villain laugh. <laughs> That'd be yeah. awful, wouldn't it? But, anyways, yes. The the our advice still stands, though. If you want the if you want these box sets when they're announced, then pre-order it. Because we spoke to we spoke to fans as well on the other end of the scale, who have said, "I'm really miffed." I haven't been able to get a box set. So like, well, did you pre-order it? Hopefully you pre-ordered it. It's like, no, I was waiting until they came out. I'm like, like, no, you can't do that. No, I don't. You cannot do it with these box sets. It's just, you're asking for trouble. If you, mind you, I think the McCoy set, you can still get off Amazon, like normal price, I think. I tell you, another place that's always worth checking, which I, I often forget about, but they still had a couple of the other sets is uh, Argos. I never think to check Argos. They, uh, I think they've got the McCoy set. They might even have the Colin set. Um, I just never think to check them, but they still got some kicking around. So yeah, it's worth checking them if you're not as a last resort, but if you've tried all the usual outlets. Yeah. Yeah. Now they definitely, Amazon definitely do get the odd copy in though, because I remember Mm. uh, it was either last week's show or the one before that. So quite recently when I was, when I um, opened up a link to one of the things we we're talking about with the merchandise, you know, Amazon do this thing at the bottom, like other viewers or other people have also looked at these things. Yeah. And they had the McCoy set still, still there. It was like 
39.99 or something like that. So it was in stock there. I've just, I'm having a look now as we're talking and it's not now, so it's gone back out of stock. But it is worth keeping your eye out because sometimes they do pop up. Well, I, I saw that with the um, the Davison box set, the season 19 as well. They did that a couple of months ago. It just popped up. Yeah. yeah. So there's still a few floating around. Mm. Yeah. You have to hunt them down. That's it. Well, I hope everyone who wanted to get season 14 has got it. These blooming yeah. scalpers do my nutting, absolutely yeah. do my nut. And it's also worth noting for the newer ones as well, the ones, the last couple that have, that have come out, like season 14 and stuff. It's it's probably worth not having a knee-jerk reaction and just jumping onto eBay and paying silly money because mm. at some point there will be a re-release of that because they've already done it for the for the first couple, right? So as long as you keep an eye out, just keep your ears to the ground, your eyes peeled. Um, listen to this podcast as an example. <laughs> <laughs> we'll let you guys know because we're because no, normally Adam and I will will immediately retweet if we see that. Um, one of the box sets is up for re-release or something like that. We always tweet it out and speak about it on the show. So yeah, you can get them still if you miss them. So just chill, chill. They will, they will be out, but the new ones coming up, make sure you pre-order is the moral of the, is the moral of the tale of the story. Just can't wait to see what artwork um, Lee comes up with for, um, for Hartnell. Mm. Well, and Trowan, (laughs) any of it, just any of it. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) yeah i can't wait for that dude it's gonna be cool and what will he do for season is it three which is the one where trout takes over oh gosh <gasps> fake fan i'm terrible with stuff like this uh it's series four seriously he... yeah of course it is yes yeah, four because yeah. it lee has said he will not put more than one doctor on the front of each cover it will be so because obviously season four you got trout and does a couple of stories and then very unusual something i know you love the idea of we get a doctor sort of midway or, you know, so you get a couple of stories of Hartnell and then Troughton takes over. Um, so I'm wondering what Lee will do for the cover of that. He said, you know, he will not put more than one doctor on it. Cause I said, are you going to do like, you know, half a Hartnell's face, half of Troughton's? No, it will be one. Well, it'll be Troughton, won't it? Obviously. I assume. Yes. So yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing what he does when he gets around to doing that one. Yeah. I imagine he'll just put, um, will he, will he do that? Maybe he'll have Hartnell on the front and Troughton on the back. No, because he has a he always has a TARDIS on the back, doesn't he? Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, or a big picture of Troughton's face as you open the door, <laughs> open the TARDIS doors inside. <laughs> well, I would imagine, yeah, series four, it will just be Troughton on the cover because Hartnell's only in the first two stories. That's right. Yeah. So, and then all, yeah, I'd imagine it'll just be Troughton. Just chat. Yeah. Hartnell's head just poking over the top of Troughton's jacket. <laughs> Just a pair of eyes. Just a pair of eyes, yeah. <laughs> Holding a big stick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Maybe we should do it. Yeah, well, have a word with Lee. I know you're busy, Lee. down the pub with him. Yeah, we got this one, mate. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I haven't done anything Doctor Who related, really, buddy. It's been very quiet for me. We're recording on Tuesday as well, so we only recorded a little while ago. So we haven't had a full week elapse to do stuff. I don't know about you, but I've... Um, yeah, just not done anything who related really, mate. Yeah. Well, it, it, it's scorching hot the, at the minute. We're having a lovely, uh, can you call it an Indian summer? We're having a really nice couple of days here. Mm. Um, and obviously I've gone back to work full time now, so I really haven't had a lot of time. In fact, the whole reason we're recording this afternoon is because I didn't even have time to watch uh, 
Ryboss, Reboss, how are we going to say it? Reboss, I Reboss, think, I think in the episode. The, yep. Yeah, I tried to watch it when I got in from work last night and I was so tired. Um, I managed two episodes and um, I had to watch the rest this morning. Uh, so I really haven't had a lot of time on my hands. I mean, you know what it's like now. We're sort of back to normal and work and gets in the way of all the good stuff. Um, but I have managed to cram in on the train journey a little bit of uh, Stranded, the new Eighth Doctor. Oh, nice. Yeah. set from big finish i've been because i know I've, I've talked about this a few times i've been really looking forward to this so um anything is on the train i have to have it really loud to hear it because all the background noise but then i'm always paranoid that i'm one of those annoying people that you can hear their headphones so i sort of keep turning it up and down and so i've um i've sort of been mostly listening to it at home but i did listen to a bit of it on the train but i'm only in on the first story and um i'm really enjoying that so far um, I know our reviewer, Mark, has found it a bit hit and miss, isn't he? He's mostly enjoyed it. I know he did a review on the um, website recently, didn't he? Of the first three, I think he's done. Yeah, part four is going out three stories. today. Yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm, I've read the, his review of the first one just to see what he thought. Uh, it's, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. I, I can see the points he's picked up about it, but it's, um, it's a great premise of having McGann's Doctor stranded on Earth with this, you know, the TARDIS just crash landed in on a camden high street and um obviously you've got tom bakers in it as the curator and that's an interesting move because i don't know how you feel about this but i kind of like the enigma mystery around the curator like he could be the doctor he might not be the doctor just it's just never said and i i don't know i don't know how far they're going to go with his character in this because he's in it very early on which surprised me i thought maybe he was just going to make a little cameo or something but he's in the first five minutes um the oh, creator cool, cool. Uh, which hopefully doesn't give too much away it's not a big scene or anything just sort of yeah he's in it um so yeah i'm really looking forward to seeing where this goes and i've i've really enjoyed that so far so but i'm only on the first story so let's see how okay. that pans out but yeah that so that's good. good i mean that is one good thing about being back at work is at least big finish you can listen to on the go, <laughs> on the so, go. so to speak. Yeah. yeah. But that's only the, the only real thing I've had chance to do, really. And he just managed to get uh, Reboss watched, to be honest. Reboss, yes. Reboss. The stars. <laughs> uh, cool beans. Yeah, it's all, yeah, so the Stranded reviews, just to follow on from that, yeah, Mark has done a daily review of each part. So by the time you listen to this, all four parts will be up on the website. But yeah, yeah, yeah so it's a bit, from his point of view, it's a bit hit and miss. In some places, I think he overall in, it kind of enjoys it, but yeah, I think no, he's uh, the reviews I read of his is, uh, on the parts of it, he's enjoyed it. I think he he wasn't too sure about PC Andy coming back into it, which I know we were when we first announced this, we were <laughs> like, yay, PC Andy's back, and I I can't remember why, but he wasn't too sure about that mm-hmm. about him being in it. But um, yeah, see what he says in his concluding review today. Yes, okay, yeah. okay, so. Coming up in the show, like I said, we've got a bit of news to talk through, a uh, piece of merch coming up later in the year, and then we're on to our review of our first part of the Key to Time series of reviews with the Reboss operation. Hmm. have to remind myself to say that because we said Ryboss last week. I always say Ryboss. Yeah, I always did, yeah. 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 Anyways, Reboss operation. But before that, remember to subscribe to the show on whatever podcast you listen to your podcast on, or head over to the website, bibblyboxpodcast.co.uk. You can listen to all of our shows on there. Plus, there's all the articles from our core writing team. Links off to all the podcast apps and networks. Make sure you sub so you don't miss a show and it lands every Friday. There's also links to the social networks. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. 
come and connect with us over there. We chat plenty of Doctor Who throughout the week. And there's also a link to our free Discord server. Come and hang out and chat with other Doctor Who fans. Remember to check out Adam's channel over on YouTube, The Geek's Handbag. Plenty of vids over there. Uh, normally I say get a cuppa, but at the minute, if you're in the UK, get a cold drink, get a drink with some get ice beer. in it. <laughs> or a nice cold beer, that'd be lovely, yeah. And um, yeah. chill out with some of Adam's videos, some really cool stuff over there. And Adam's on the socials too, under the same name, The Geek's Handbag. That's right. That's right. Okay, <laughs> let's uh, let's land this and do a wee bit of news. All right. Doctor Who is back in the educational space, which is always nice to see. Uh, if you remember, I think it was either last year or a year before, there was a really cool uh, Doctor Who thing that they did around getting kids into programming and coding, which was really cool, oh, where yeah. you, you made this, it was like a Capaldi-style uh, little video game that you made through code, and it was about him against the Daleks, and you made this little side-scrolling 3D game and they encourage kids to get into programming stuff. So that's really cool. And then there's been some other bits and pieces. So now they've they've teamed up with, um, or not teamed up, but they've created these um, educational resources uh, around history, essentially, from the world of Doctor Who. And they've linked it in now to like official education um, brackets here in the UK. So here in the UK... Uh, as you go through schooling from primary school all the way through to secondary school, we have what's called key stages. So you have key stage one, two and three and all that stuff. So the, the resources that they've worked up for these are between uh, for kids between the ages of seven and 11. And um, yeah, they look really cool. So this is the first time uh, that they've, like I said, that they've linked these into the UK national curriculum with those key stages and so on. And it's essentially a bunch of cool stuff to, to, to educate kids from a, to use like a friendly perspective, I suppose. When you, when you bolt on like the world of Doctor Who and the Doctor and stuff, sometimes that makes learning a little bit more interesting, I suppose, rather than just having a teacher in a classroom. Uh, and it's also during this time as well, during lockdown and all that stuff where lots of people are homeschooling and, and all that, this is a good idea. So it's run by a company called Twinkle. And I'll put a link to the show notes um, uh, for it. And essentially, they cover a bunch of subjects. The main one, like I said, is history, but it also branches off to science and geography as well. But what they do is they introduce some important figures from out history. So Rosa Parks, uh, Thomas Edison, those kind of people, Nikola Tesla. And then they basically teach around they, they teach around the history part of those characters and what they were doing and how that influenced other things like science and all that stuff. And there's also things around um, uh, ecosystems, animals, religion. So the Indian religion part of it with demons of the Punjab and all that kind of stuff. And it's completely free as well. So you can download these resources from the Twinkle website. And they're saying that you can either use these in isolation or you can get kids to watch the episodes as well to get a bit more insight that way teachers can use them or just parents whatever you like um but it sounds really cool so i've put a link to the show notes any any of our listeners that have got kids and want to go through that and also this is a sneaky little backdoor thing but if you want to get your kids into doctor who 
And they're not into it yet. You're like, by the way, kids, we've got this new thing we're going to do in some home homeschooling. I know you've sat at your desk for hours or the kitchen table, but we've got this extra bit to do. It's really important. <laughs> so we're going to watch this Doctor Who episode. Then we're going to learn about the stuff in the episode. So uh, this is very cool. What do you reckon to this, dude? I know that um, uh, I know that you especially need educating on Doctor Who. So what do you think? <laughs> yeah, especially when it comes to seasons. Um, yeah, no, it's a great idea. Um, I th- unusual choice. So have they done this for every episode or is this the four episodes that they've picked? No, not every episode. So they, they've picked out four to begin with and I think they're going to be adding some more over time. Because I, I, the reason I ask that is because I can't understand what they... So one of the, they've picked... Nikola Tesla's not a terror. Yeah, get that. Demons of the Punjab. Yep, Rosa, absolutely. And then the fourth episode they've picked is Arachnids in the UK. So what are the kids learning from that? How to not kill spiders? Um, Arachnids in the UK. So it I seems think, an odd choice. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, I'm not sure on Arachnids. No, because I can get the other three. I can totally see why they've gone with those, but Arachnids um, in the UK. Hold on, I've got the info here. I've got the oh, info right. Here. Yep, yep. So this is around it's not Donald Trump, is it? As well as looking, uh, so uh, this presentation is based on, this is from their website directly from Twinkle, by the way. It says, this presentation is based on the Doctor episode, Arachnids in the UK, and is full of fun educational activities for kids to enjoy. Talk about feeding two spiders with one fly. Uh, see what they did there. Um, it says as well as looking closely at spiders it includes a variety of cross-curricular activities to spark learning this doctor who episode in particular has links to science and technology it's a great way to spark conversations about environmental threat that humans pose to the planet i see right so it's more of a sciencey one this one i get yeah so it's about spiders spider writing spider web art activities all that stuff so dna Genetic engineering, all that stuff. I don't think I've watched that episode since it aired. So, yeah, I can't really remember the sciencey bits in it, but fair enough. Uh, yeah, we only watched it once, didn't we? Because we were a bit like, mm. <sighs> yeah, it's not one I've been keen to go back to. Whereas Demons of the Punjab, I really enjoyed that episode, I remember. That's one of the ones I did like, and Rosa. Oh, cool. Um, cool. Yeah, so, yeah. But it's a good thing. I, you know, it's a it's a nice thing to do to tie those in with education. I like that idea. Yes, uh, they've actually got a few on here. They've also got Orphan Fifty Five and Spyfall and Kablam as well. Oh, so, right. loads of Doctor Who stuff on there. I'll, I'll put a link to it. But it sounds kind of cool. It's if it's a good idea, even if it gets like you know half a dozen kids into learning about stuff and watching Doctor Who, then that's a good thing, right? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. So there we go. That's all the news we have. Like we said earlier, not much kicking around, but we have got some merch to talk through. So let's do that. Merch corner. Merch corner. Merch corner. It's a bit rubbish, but it's pretty. It's very pretty. Well, there you are, young man. What do you think of that now, eh? A Viking helmet. I know. It's on the telly. It's everywhere. I don't know that to be impressed or disgusted. I work in a shop now. Here to help. <laughs> time lord victorious they've announced the comics now hey hey so over the past few weeks we've spoken about the 
big finished stuff and the books that are going to form this multi-platform story. Now we've got Titan Comics coming out and saying, yeah, that sounds very dramatic. They haven't come out with the big, they've just basically said, mm-hmm. yep, here is our involvement, which is um, two oversized comic issues, they're calling it. So I imagine it's probably something like if you were to buy a trade paperback, like if you had, I don't know, like two or three weeks worth of comics in one comic, it's probably something like yeah. that. Doesn't mean it's going to be like a really big, <laughs> no. you know, like one of those. What is it? What's that? What's those ridiculously big newspapers you can get, like the Sunday Times? The old broadsheet, so big you yeah. can't even hold it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So not physical size, but oversized in terms of number of pages. I think thickness. And these yeah. are going to come out on the second of September. You can pre-order them now. You can get them from most comic shops, notably Forbidden Planet. Hooray! And if you're a digital comic reader on the Comicsology app, if that's your bag. And, uh, yeah, so they've basically said that this is their contribution to it. And I'm a little bit surprised at this dude. Yeah. Because we still haven't seen anything that prominently features the Ninth Doctor. This is... Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Because we assumed, rightly or wrongly, that David Tennant was going to be the focus for the books. McGann was going to be the big finish. And Eccleston was going to be for the comics, but... This seems like it's more of a tenant thing based on a couple of the pages that I've seen from the inside and the covers. So yeah. we're still waiting to see where Eccleston fits into this from a lot. I mean, I assume he's mentioned or he features in the books and possibly the big finish, but still nothing that's like, yeah, this is like the ninth doctor's contribution to this story. But anyway, that, that could change, but uh, you can order them now. Um, again, I'll put links in the show notes of forbidden planet comics, ology and Jake Devine who is the editor at Titan Comics for Doctor Who, says, Titan Comics' story is quite unique as it features the 10th Doctor as seen in the recent 13th Doctor comic series. So he's not reached his so-called victory over time yet. But what has been fun to explore is the Doctor getting a glimpse of what's to come and foreshadowing his own dark turn. Now, I'm out of touch with the comic run from Titan because I haven't bought any since, oh God, probably this time last year the last time I bought some single issues when I was in Forbidden Planet. So I'm out of touch with this um, victory over time thing, which I assume is a run that's we've already seen for the 10th Doctor in the comics. That's or yet to come. I'm not sure. But uh, anyway, uh, Time Lord Victorious number one is written by Jodie Hauser. Uh, I've got a couple of comics by Jodie. Very, very cool. Yeah. A couple of Star Wars issues. She's uh, yeah. Yeah. the, the writing is really cool. She's um, uh, she's done Star Wars, Stranger Things, Spider-Man, really, really good comic writer. Um, and Robata Ingranata. Uh, and that uh, debuts with five different covers for fans to collect. Um, I've got a few of them on the Forbidden Planet website. So the first one is the Lee Binding default one for cover A, uh, which is the one that we got teased with when they first announced this whole Time Lord Victorious thing. It's David Tennant in a high council uniform with McGann and Eccleston. It's got Rose on there with the Ood in the suit and so on. Then we've got cover B, which is by Priscilla. Uh, it's either Priscilla Petrates or Petrates. Very sorry if I'm butchering the name, uh, which is Tennant sort of falling through the sky. And it's got the big Dalek, um, what's its face on Remembrance? It looks like 
in the background. Mm. Uh, and then we've got cover C, mm. which is by Andy Tong, and then cover D, which is by Hendry Prasetta. Prasetta. I'm so terrible at names, bloody hell. Anyway, cover C has got Tenant, a very cartoony style, surrounded by Daleks. And then cover D has just got Daleks with like loads of like lightning and electricity and stuff. It looks pretty cool. So yeah, a bunch of cool covers to collect, uh, which is normally the case, isn't it, for a not just Titan, but anything really. You get these kind of yeah. nice alternate covers. Um, I'm pretty sure there, there is another cover as well, which is cover E, which is the Dalek Blue Line sketch variant, but we haven't had a preview of that yet. Mm. So there is five covers all in all to get. What I normally do with these brand new runs, when I used to get them anyway, is I normally buy all the variants for for issue one and then just get the normal ones moving forward. Uh, yeah. But as there's only two two um, comics coming out for this particular story, I might just do that for both of them anyway um, and get the I variants. I the yeah. variants are nice, aren't they? I like the variants because um, th- they're all very different, um, totally different style of artwork. Um, I th- I'm, I'm agreeing with you, actually. Normally I'd do the same. I'd get like a couple for the first issue and then just buy one for the rest but uh, yeah they're quite nice i do like the big i think you called it the remembrance style i think you're thinking of davros aren't you it's like got the big bulbous right. dalek head yeah. um yeah i kind of like that one um yeah i'm liking these covers yeah. uh it's, i'm i'm got so high hopes as it's written by jody hauser because although i don't know the name uh like you said the fact um um it's been you know she's done stranger things in star wars and that's that's quite uh sounds quite good doesn't it so quite looking forward to this where is where is um Eccleston gonna fit in with all this then what platforms have we got left because this is a multi-platform story mm. books comics audio and what other ones did they announce apart from the escape room well they said surely he's not going to be in that well, <laughs> well they've left it kind of loose and generic so they said um audio stories books comics vinyl immersive theater escape rooms and games and then the oh, other one was, game. yeah, the other one was digital. All they said is digital, but that could mean any of those things already or something yeah. brand new. So it it is weird, isn't it? You'd hope, well, I was hoping that he'd play a bit of a larger role though, mm. so far in all this, but so far it just seems to be centered around um, McGann and Tennant, those doctors. I see. Yeah. I would have put money on him being the books or the comics. I, that's why I assumed he would be the yeah. ninth doctor. So, uh, intriguing. Well, it was wrong to assume on our part, I suppose you'd never should assume, but an educated guess led us to believe that the ninth doctor would be the prominent figure in the comics, but alas, nowhere to be seen. Uh, and then the last bit of blurb for this just says when the doctor faces his ancient foes once again, um, in the Daleks, uh, it soon becomes clear that things aren't what they seem. Time is all wrong and something is coming that terrifies even the Daleks. Mm, even the Daleks. Mm. Yes. That, um, the cover with the 10th Doctor with the two Daleks either side of him, I would say the most sort of cartoonish of the variant covers. That's the one that the BBC is sort of using to really push this on social media. And I've got to be honest, although I like it, I think that's the weakest of the cover variants, to be honest. <laughs> no, I, I kind of like it, but yeah, yeah I, don't know. A, I think the Dalek one's much stronger. Maybe they wanted one with the doctor on the front, but yeah, yeah possibly it's very stylized. That one, like the it is the style that Andy um, Andy Tong has has drawn. Tenant is very like the other ones. Obviously, the Lee Binding one is based off of a photograph, anyway. So that's very David Tennant. But 
the the cover B with him falling upside down. That's been modelled to be quite realistic. So this other one by Andy Tong, it's very cartoony. Even the Daleks are drawn in a very cartoony, yeah. sort of curvy kind of way. Um, so yeah, I don't think it's the strongest of the covers. It's not bad, but hmm. it's not. The it's weird actually. The more I look at it, the more I like it. But yeah, it's not the one I would have immediately gone to. If I, like you said, if I was picking cover variants that would probably be the one that if I wasn't going to get them all, I'd think, no, nah, I don't need that one. But do you know, the more I look at it, I've just, you know, enlarged it. Um, I am quite liking it actually, but yeah, it's the more cartoon, you know, I think it's the Daleks look odd is what's putting me off slightly, but um, yeah. yeah, it's growing on me actually. That don't mind it. Yeah. And uh, on the forbidden planet website, you can look at the, their range of time Lord victorious stuff because they've got the books on there as well. But they're also flogging the old, uh, any, anything to do with the High Council, they're now trying to flog as well. So you can buy a coaster and a keychain and a, a travel parcel <laughs> with the, the High Council Rassilon seal on it. So well done for Bin Planet. Make a few extra bucks there. That's it. And, and uh, <laughs> they are back on their feet, by the way. I, did, I know they've had a rough couple of weeks with their cyber attack, but they are back to... I got delivery from them the other week. They're back to their old selves again, and they're open again. I can't wait to go in. I was going to say, dude. I think some Don't point know when in, it'll be, but yeah, some point in July, we we'll coincide the big blue box meet up with the pubs opening as well. Oh yeah, we're we're on to a winner there. Yeah, sounds good. I'm not going to give you a hug though. No, 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 no hugging. Social distancing <laughs> and all that. That's it. Yeah, we'll have to come up with some sort of funny hand, not handshake, but like, don't know. Something else. Something else, yeah. <laughs> Something else. Okay, right. Uh, that's going to do for news and merch. Like we said, not too much to talk through. Uh, review time, bud. Yeah, yeah. So kicking off the key to time season, Tom Baker, starting with the first story, which is called The Reboss Operation. The key to time is a perfect cube which maintains the equilibrium of time itself. They create a power too dangerous to possess. My name is Ramana Varadna Lunda. The President of the Supreme Council sent me. All but one of us is doomed to die. Doctor, do something! The key to time consists of six segments. These segments are scattered and hidden throughout the cosmos. These segments must be traced and returned to me before it is too late, before the universe is plunged into eternal chaos. Execute them. No survivors! No, Epic trailer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Makes it, makes it sound really exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Come on now, don't start. Oh, well, all right. Don't start, mate. That is a great trailer, though. It's a very good trailer, yes. Mm-hmm. So we are going to kick off our six weeks of the Key to Time review. And we're going to kick off with part one, the Reboss operation, not the Ryboss operation and this was first broadcast as a four-parter it first went out on the 2nd of september and finished on the 23rd of september 1978 
It was written by Robert Holmes and directed by George Spenton Foster. And it stars Tom Baker, obviously, as the fourth Doctor, Mary Tam as Romana, and John Leeson as K-9. And then there's uh, about half a dozen uh, supporting cast members. And the uh, the plot to this one is the Doctor's summoned by the White Guardian and sent off on a quest to find the six segments of the key to time, which, once you put them together, will uh, restore balance to the universe. Along with the Doctor, there's K-9, as I said, and his new companion, Romana, a Time Lord fresh from the Academy. Uh, so they land on the wintry planet of Rebos to locate segment number one, but they quickly find themselves kind of caught up in a sort of a bit of local trouble with a couple of con men and a very off-his-nut, unstable warlord. So you and I have spoken off off the record just a few times in the past about the key to time. Yeah. And our conversations have always been along the lines of, oh, for beep's sake, we're going to have to do that at some point. Hmm. So, has re-watching it for this week changed your opinion a wee bit? What of the, well, I don't know. We'll see by the time we get to the end <laughs> of the whole thing. But yeah, it's, it's not a season I gravitate towards very often, this one. Um, and to kick off, I mean, Rebos, Rebos Operation is a, it's an odd story to start a season, isn't it? It's very um, old-fashioned in its style. It's very slow in places. It's it's basically if Doctor Who was written as a stage play, this is it, isn't it? It's like it feels like you're watching a play. Um, it's all studio bound, really extravagant costumes. I don't know. It's a, it's an odd one. I've never I don't I haven't watched this story many times. It's not one I particularly love, but watching it again, there is a charm to it. Um, I think the script's got some lovely moments in it. I mean, I'd forgotten it was written by Robert Holmes. Funny enough. When his name came up at the start, I thought, really? I didn't know that. Because I think he's a great writer for Doctor Who. And this does feel quite different for him in many ways. Um, so, I don't know. It, it plods along. It's a bit of a plodder, but it's not bad. It's not bad. It's just it's just quite... Um, there's a lot of dialogue in it as opposed to action. So, you kind of have to watch it. And I found... Obviously, I was quite tired when I watched the first two episodes because I'd come in from work. And I really liked the first episode. I loved the start. I thought the, the the bit where the Doctor meets the White Guardian at the beginning was just awesome. Just a really lovely scene between the two of them and the way the TARDIS doors open with the light behind it. And I was thinking, oh, this is really good. I'm really enjoying this. And what a great concept as well, isn't it? About mm-hmm. having these segments that they've got to find that, you know, and there's a White Guardian and a Black Guardian. So I was loving the first episode. Um, second one, once we start getting into the actual story of the rebus operation, I found myself losing interest a little bit, but, um, so I watched two last night and then I watched episodes three and four today. And, uh, I think three plods a bit. I think episode three is a bit of a plodder, but I was, by the time I got to the end of the story, I did quite enjoy it. I, I, I think it's an odd one. Like it's not one that. If somebody said to me, oh, I haven't watched any classic Doctor Who before. Um, shall I start with the Rebus operation? I probably would say no, because <laughs> um, it is 
very slow in pace. But if you've got the patience for it, it's driven along by some quite interesting characters. And um, it's certainly not a bad story. It's just different. And it's just one that um, is, I'm going to put it in that category of you really have to be in the mood for it. I think um, if you're in the mood for it and you, you, you actually get into the story, it's quite a charming little story. Um, but it's certainly not, um, it's not going to be up there with my favorite Tom Baker stories. It's never going to be up there, but it's not bad. It's just a bit ploddy. It's just a little slow in pace. I think uh, mm. very di- a lot of dialogue. So it's a bit of a middle of the road one for me, this, but um, yeah, I think production wise and cast wise and stuff, it's, it's good. Just uh, yeah. I just didn't love it. I just thought it was, yeah, it was good. So a strange start to the season as well. A strange one to kick off with. I think this Mm. Uh, love all the stuff at the start though first episode really really enjoyed the first episode yeah it's good so yeah don't know a bit of a mixed bag for me this one my friend bit of a mixed bag but i I kind of enjoyed it by the end i did did like it by the end of it i think yeah (laughs) yeah i'll read you uh what do you reckon yeah 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 it's a strange one it is isn't it yeah because like you said, I think the biggest, from talking to people over the years about it, I think when you mentioned that it feels very like a play and you're watching some kind of theatre production and it's very like the script as well, the way a lot of characters talk, yeah, especially the the nutcase dude, the graph, <laughs> and his his uh, accomplice, uh, Sholak. Yeah. You know, those guys. And to a degree, um, even the absolute, like, yeah, crazy dude that's setting up the whole Garen, the con in the first place, Garen. Yeah. So they, they all speak with this very, very kind of almost Shakespearean, um, kind of thing. It's like, you're absolutely right. It's, it's almost like going to the theater to watch Shakespeare. It's got that very, uh, just the way they produce, like they read their, not read, but the way they perform their lines and everything. It's very, very much like that. So I think that's a common thing. A lot of people think, you know, because of that, it's just like you said, you really have to be in the mood, in the mood. You, to watch you've got to be in the mood. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, again, like you said, if someone said, I've never watched classic who before I heard Tom <laughs> Baker's era is very good. Should I start with the rebus operation? Immediately <laughs> you'd be like, no, no, no. You need to warm up to that one, mate. Just, uh, yeah, there's some, some other ones to get yourself into the fourth doctor, but it's a strange one because in a way those things, those elements, those qualities about it do have a very nice charm. It's like you're sitting down to like that really nice feeling of it's just old school doctor who, and you're sat down and uh, you're just enjoying the old school charm of that stuff. So it does have a quality about it, which I like. Mm. And Tom's quite good in it. That's that's one of the pluses Quite good. for me is because Tom, I think, had become a bit um, subdued during his you know time with Leela. Uh, I know we know he didn't like the character of Leela, and I think it really shows. So even though they had some really strong stories together, like Robots of Death and um, Talons of Wen Chiang and um, and stories like Horror Fan Rocks and great stories together quite often the chemistry wasn't there and Tom seemed to go in himself a little bit. He wasn't this sort of, um, I don't know. He seems to have bounced back a little bit 
this season. Uh, maybe it's because they've lightened the tone a bit because there's some, you know, it gets to be quite funny again in this. So it sort of felt like Tom was getting back to, you know, a bit more like he was earlier on in his run as the Doctor, which I think makes a big difference because when you've got a story like this, which is quite dialogue-driven, um, his sort of wit and charm and that helps to keep the story ticking over. He seems to be enjoying himself, um, which considering I don't think it was the most enjoyable experience in terms of filming because, as you'll notice at the start, his lip... He's been bitten by a dog in the pub, <laughs> uh, which is why his lips all cut at the start of the story, because obviously it's filmed out of sequence. But so that gets covered up with some quite painful makeup, apparently. So he probably wasn't in the best, you know, it was probably quite painful for him at times filming this. So um, but he seems to be really enjoying it. He's there's a bit more uh, energy to Tom's doctor in this than we've seen uh which we didn't see much of, I think, in the previous sort of season. If you look at him in Underworld, he really isn't into that story. Um, you know, you can tell when Tom's just not giving it 100%. And it feels to me like he's bounced back a little bit in this this one. Mm. So that really helped because, as I said, it's a, it's quite a slow story. So you, you need Tom to be on form. You know, if you had, if you had him sort of giving 50% like he was, in say underworld for example this would have really died a death i think um yeah. so he, it's good to have him back you know back to his old self a bit more in this um i wish he'd worked better with leela because i i love the character of leela and i think they had some absolutely amazing stories but i do find myself getting a bit not annoyed with tom but he he definitely sort of didn't the energy levels were a bit lower in some of those stories with him in terms of his you know um in terms of the relationship with the companion, whereas he's given a new companion in this, Romana. How do you say her full name? Romana? Um. Crikey, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, not even that, that difficult, but anyway, yeah, let's call her Fred, uh, which is a, that's a nice scene. Um, so yeah, I think giving him this new companion, there's a new dynamic, and yeah, Tom just feels a bit more back to his old self a little bit in this, and I think that, that really helps uh, in this story. Romana... Voratrelunda, I think. Yeah. Romana, <laughs> Romana de Voratrelunda. I don't know. Something like that. Volume, yeah. Romana Adavalunda. I don't know. De Voratrelunda. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, Romana 1. Mm-hmm. Romana 1. What, what do you think of, of Romana 1? Because um, when, when we say... Fourth Doctor Romana, I instantly, for whatever reason, will think of Lala Ward. Lala Ward, yeah, yeah. If yeah, you same. say to me, oh, do you like Romana? I say, oh, yeah, yeah, I like Romana. But I, in my head, I'm thinking of Lala Ward. Um, and I and I really like Romana one, uh, Lala Tam. But it sounds awful to say I, she's just not my default. You know, she. I, I wouldn't say I forget about her, but um, somehow she gets overshadowed in my mind by Lala Ward. I just, I just see Lala as Romana, but... I quite like Romana one. I just kind of forget about her, which is awful. She's one of those companions that sort of drifts to the wayside for me a bit. And yet when I see her in a story, I think, oh, she's great. She's really good. But, you know, I just kind of often, oh, well, not forget her, but you know what I mean? I think the other, you know, Lala's Romana just sticks out a bit more for me. But Romana one's pretty good, isn't she? She's very sassy. <laughs> she is, yeah. I mean. Do you think she works well with Tom? Uh, I think they work really well together in this one. 
Yeah. I really do. Yeah. They seem to have a bit of, it's always a weird one with Tom. Bless him. Bless his heart, old Tom. But back in the day, he was really like, I don't know, with just certain people, you could just tell on camera. So I, I can only imagine what it was, how like the awkwardness off camera, but even on camera mm-hmm. with certain actors and obviously with, um, what's her face? <laughs> <laughs> what L- louise jameson louise jameson yeah you can tell yeah. and then when him and lala ward were were rucking when they're having a bit of a domestic oh. on the way to the set that even shows on camera so it does th- yeah. there's a don't get me wrong we love tom we ov- obviously we love tom but there's a slight hint of kind of unprofessionalism that comes through sometimes when he's on camera because even in his personal life if he's having a bit of a a ruck with lala or he's just not feeling it on the day He's like a grumpy little kid sometimes. He's like, no, I don't want to play today. And I'm like, look, Tom, we got a, the cameras have got a roll. He's like, oh, fine. And you can tell he's just got a bit of a, mm. a bit of a grump going on. But in this one, he does he does come across like he's having a bit of a good time with it, and he's having some bants with with Mary Tam, and they're having a to and fro, and it's quite cool. And he does that thing where, when he's got the hump with somebody, he doesn't make eye contact with them. Yeah, when they're filming. he does that a lot with Louise, doesn't he? He doesn't yes, look yeah. at her at all. Yeah, yeah he does it a few, quite a lot with, he did it quite a lot with um, Louise Jameson as well. That's what I meant, sorry. Yeah, sorry, Louise yeah. And, um, but no, no, he did do it with Lala Ward as well when they're having a ruck. Oh, yeah. I mean, Leisure Hive, I think, is one of the ones where he doesn't look at her. Yeah. <laughs> so in this, that's not the case, though. So even if he, I'm not sure what his feelings were at the time. I can't remember if that's on the special edition. I haven't watched that in a while, the behind the scenes. But I can't remember if he had the hump about a new companion dropping in. But even if he did, this doesn't show on camera. They're having a bit of a laugh at times, and he, he smiles at her quite a lot. And Because uh, even though him as the doctor, as the character, doesn't want her around at all, that's very evident in episode one. I, I find that quite funny, because I wondered if that was Robert Holmes, you know, art Im- imitating life, because it it's quite well documented that Tom didn't, want a companion for the yeah. previous uh, was it the previous season well the, the season with Leela the first season I think he might have got over it by the, the second season with um, Leela I think he was I think they their relationship improved during their yeah. second season together but I think he did at one point say um, as well it was when it was basically when Liz Layden left wasn't it Tom yeah. said I don't I don't want, need a companion I can carry the show myself and um i think he did famously suggest having a talking cabbage or something didn't he <laughs> this is all true but this is yeah, all, yeah yeah, yeah. He, he didn't want a companion he got leela who in my book is a great companion i love love the character of leela um tom didn't want a companion he didn't like the character of leela because she was a savage so you put those two things together and you get a slightly frosty relationship and for me although as i said great stories together those two some of them you do see a difference in tom's performance he's still very good but there are times when he's just very subdued i mean even in talons which is a fantastic story he's talking very quiet whereas in this he's back to being that sort of bombastic very loud stealing the scene i'm tom baker i've walked in the room he's back to being that sort of doctor again um there's definitely a different feel to it there is, no, I yeah, yeah. Definitely. and I think by this point maybe he's got used to the fact that he, he needs companion, and um, so. But I loved that. I love that bit at the start where the, the white guard is like, "We'll give you a new companion," and he's like, "Oh, do I have to?" And I'm thinking, "Is that is that the doctor talking or is that Tom?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But no, anyway, yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. I think they work well together uh, right from the get go when he's 
talking to K9 and saying, who's this? You know, and she's like, because she's a very strong character, isn't she? Straight away, Romana. She's not going to take any uh, nonsense. You can tell. She's just, she's a strong personality. So that, again, is a good, good for the Doctor to be not up against, but they they make for a, a good good companion and doctor i think these two yeah they do actually and i like the transition because it happens quite early on the transition between so when she turns up she's obviously just passed all the exams at the academy and she's all great and all the rest of it and she's obviously been told that the doctor is this kind of you know let's wing it let's do the you know let's um we don't do things by the book in the doctor's tardis and let's just uh you know, wing it and all that. She's obviously been told all about it. So she, she's got his number already. She knows that he's like you know, a bit of a misbehaved, um, doesn't play well with others, doesn't do authority, all that stuff. So yeah. she's very much like, um, like I'm here to almost like I'm here to tame you a little bit. Like you've, you've done things your way and it's all been good, but you know, there's some stuff that I could probably teach you cause I'm so cool my exam results sort of thing and then from the doctor's point of view he's like oh here we go a little whippersnapper wet behind the ears mm. she's just fresh out you know she doesn't know what she's doing like all of my hundreds of years of experience outweighs you know what you can bring to the table and then as we get through pretty much by the end of episode one i think or part one she does look at him in a slightly different way like there's a few points when they're sneaking around the um the bit where you know where the crown jewels are and that yeah, big beastie yeah. thing in there. There's there's a oh, that. <laughs> there's a few bits where they're kind of sneaking around and doing stuff. And you can tell that she's actually she actually grows to quite like his style of doing things because along the way he like you know, he says things like, Oh no, no, we, we shouldn't do we shouldn't do that, you know, because yeah, that 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 will lead to sort of trouble. And there's a bit later on in the story again where him and um Garen had just sat down, have a good old chin wag. And she's like, at a time like this, all you can do is sit down and, and chat. And he's like, you know, don't worry. This is all part of the things. <laughs> this is all part of the game plan almost. So you can tell. And then she looks at him in a certain way as well. Like there's a few times where if she had it her way, they would have done it a certain way, which would have led them to capture or something. But the doctor's like, no, 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 no. You know, I've got this just watch and learn that kind of thing going on. And that happens yeah. quite quickly throughout the story. So it's a really nice transition that this kind of standoffishness sort of gets evaporated after a little while. Cause it is really funny. Like in the TARDIS, like he kicks off, doesn't he about the hole in the console? Yeah. That's a great scene. <laughs> that's really funny. She's like, you know, it goes in there and he's like a hole in my TARDIS. He just kicks off. But then she by the end, it's the exam yeah. results as well, doesn't she? Which is funny. He's like, how do you, that's classified information. How do you know this? <laughs> yeah. That's what I mean. She's got his number. She knows all about him mm. or them, should I say? And yeah. And then by the end of it, it's just, um, yeah, they're, they're, they're kind of cool with each other. They've kind of been through their first adventure, their first uh, thing, if you like. And and then that's it. Because you can tell they've got this kind of at the end when they've, when she puts like the magic wand thing on the on the stone and it turns into the first part of the, the key, the, the crystal. Um, they're just sort of casually there. He's like, well, do you want to do it? No, I'll do it. You do it. And then, yeah. and then that's it. So by the end of it, they've got this very cool arrangement should we say i wouldn't say they're into like a full-on proper doctor slash companion relationship yet but they've got this very good understanding between the two of them 
Yeah, no, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, they, they do. I think um, over the course of the story, they are going to, they're already quite a good double act. But I think, yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? That sort of standoff at the start. They are softening and warming to each other, which is really nice to see. Uh, I don't know why, but you've just reminded me that um, Nigel Plaskett, is it? He plays Unstoff. Mm-hmm. Um, on the making of, he tells his, uh, just talking to Tom has reminded me of this. Apparently, his, the very first time he met Tom was at the rehearsals for their story. And Tom bursts in the door, throws the script on the floor and said, right, who wrote this whippet? S H I bleep, <laughs> and he said that was the, that was my first introduction to Tom. <laughs> so, so obviously Tom wasn't that keen on the script, but he seems to be. Um, I think he said that about most scripts. To be fair, I think Tom was famous for mm-hmm. calling quite a lot of scripts whippets, um, doo doo. Uh, but um, <laughs> yeah, I think he seems to be more enjoying the humorous side of the script in this. Uh, Tom, it's clear to see, isn't it? So it is. Yeah, yeah. I like this change of dynamic with Romana. It's nice. It is, yeah. And there are a couple of funny little moments in it. Um, the funniest bit of all, obviously, when he comes face to face with the graph and just takes his glove and gives him a shot across the chops. And then <laughs> there's this moment like when he, <laughs> when he does it, he's like, Tsh! and then there's just like a few seconds pause. When he just <laughs> you sound like the master sorry i'm so yeah evil cackle i said to myself i'm gonna crack up when we get to talk about that bit but yeah so there's bits there's bits like that in the script where i don't think they were written to be overly funny but i think it's tom just having a laugh with it now and then i i um, did even wonder if that was in the script actually because that does feel like a tom that's the sort of thing you can imagine him suggesting in the rehearsal room, isn't it? You know, we used to love to do that. And they used to be, well, we'll, we'll see Tom. We probably won't include it, but we'll, <laughs> we'll make a note and it wouldn't be included. But that, I don't know. It, it may have been in the script. I but don't, it feels yeah. to be a bit like a Tomism that like, I know what we should do here. He hits me. <laughs> I take the glove off and I give him a damn good slap around the chops. And then, and then they were like, Oh, okay. So I don't know. It might've been in the script, but it feels like a Tomism that, to me and it is a great scene and it's i think it's the one that people think of when you say oh have you seen the rebus operation it's one that it's one of the scenes that you instantly think of isn't it (laughs) i think it's um (laughs) it almost feels like it was a bit of um like it was spare of the moment thing because yeah the thing that makes me feel that is because uh when he does it nobody says anything like normally, as you're going through the motions, obviously, it's like Tom delivers a line and then somebody moves or they say their line or the rest of it. But it's like, Dish. there's no reaction. And there's, like, everybody's just stood still like, <laughs> what's going on? Like Tom's just slapped him. What do we do? And then it's like that for a <laughs> it few It would seconds. be funny if he had lived it on, on the take. Yeah, it'd be hilarious. Oh, I know what you mean, funny. actually. Don't think about it. Yeah, they, they don't react at all. Do they? Even the actor just kind of looks at him as if like what (laughs) everyone does everyone's just stood there motionless for about two seconds it feels like like 10 minutes but everyone's just stood there for a few seconds like what are we are we still going i guess yeah carry on yeah Yeah. (laughs) Uh, so it's a it's a such a and it's again one of those scenes where if you and i are watching it together we'd have to pause it because we'd just be cracking like wetting ourselves we'd we'd have to replay it a few times yeah yeah. So there's bits like that which I absolutely love about Tom. And it's those little moments that just give put a big smile on him. You know when um 
he turns up at the beginning of uh, 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 what's the story when it's raining outside and he's got the right hump because he thinks. Oh, the, it's Brain uh, Brain Morbius. Morbius, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know when he opens the door, he's like, "Do you have a glass of water?" And it's yeah. you know, crashing down with rain <laughs> and his <something. Yeah>. arm. <laughs> it's little bits like that when he's just kind of. <laughs> he just that's, another, that's got to be another Tomism, isn't it? <laughs> exactly that. Yeah. yeah, they're so cool those little moments. But Tom's on fire though, for the most part. I think there's a few bits where you can tell he's a bit bored. But other than that, <laughs> other than that, you can tell he's uh, he's rocking and rolling. And Mary Tam, she's um, she can tell she's she's really liking sort of diving into that whole world. You know, it must be a big mm. a big thing, especially working along somebody like Tom at the time who was famous, like you said, for losing his rag and not being happy with a large portion of how the show was written and made and everything. So it must've been a, like a, a big thing for them. I wonder if they warn, like, I wonder if like their agent or somebody at the BBC, I don't know, like Robert Holmes or somebody said to her, look, you obviously know Tom as the doctor, just giving you a heads up. He's a bit of a nutcase now and then <laughs> he comes across as intimidating, but pay him no mind. You know, he's, <laughs> he's all right. I wonder if they say anything like that to her. I don't know. Yeah, I was thinking that. I wonder if she was aware of all the stuff that went on with Louise before. I get the feeling, I get the feeling probably not. I don't know. Yeah, because uh, she went, there was no crossover between her and Louise. You know, it's a, it's a totally different production block. So I don't, you know, because otherwise Louise might, she might have said, oh, how's Tom? Well, <laughs> you know, but I don't think, because there's no crossover, she might have gone into it just cold and as far as i know they got on quite well uh mary tam and and tom so yeah yeah she may not have been aware of it i don't think well yeah there's no horror stories is there for mary no. tam and tom well, like, not that i'm aware no. of no because normally you hear about that stuff through just chatting with people who know about that stuff or on the special features on dvds and that i haven't heard any like crazy stuff that like you know she's in tears about him or you know. No, and I do try. That's why I like to watch the DVDs because they do give you a really good insight into stuff that was going on behind the scenes, <laughs> especially <laughs> when you get to um, Tom and Lala together. There's quite a lot. Um, but yeah, the, watching, I watched the, the, there's a very short making of on this, which I did watch um, while I was having my lunch um, before we recorded. It's only about 15 minutes long, I think. Uh, that's where it, um, Nigel talks about Tom bursting in the, re- the rehearsal room. But um Mary Tam's on the making of, which is lovely to see. I always like it when we get people that, because I haven't seen many interviews with Mary Tam over the years, so it's nice to see her on the making of. Um, And she talks very fondly about working of it. She just says she was nervous because she hadn't done a lot of sort of um, film and TV work, so she was just Mm. nervous at the time. But uh, you wouldn't think so. I think her her performance is pretty... She comes across quite confident, I think, which is... um, yeah, surprising if it's still early days for her her career, and she has to wear that big costume as well. I mean, everybody's got a big costume in this, haven't they? Even Tom, <laughs> his scarf—I swear it's got even longer. He, they must have been baking in that studio under all that gear, all those big hats, and you know the costumes are extravagant, aren't they? In this, they are indeed. <laughs> well, having said that, um, Tom's scarf. Uh, so from this story. Up until yeah. the horns of Nymon, uh, he wears this really extra long one because they, it was the, um, the, the original part of the scarf, and then the other scarf that they used, which was called the stunt scarf. Apparently, <laughs> they were sewn together. 
Oh, really? By the costume maker. So he ends up with I this must... like mega long. Yeah. It looks it as well. It's like the one you because you've got the gen, you've got the replica, haven't you, of the of yeah. this scarf, I think, which is really long, isn't it? It's crazy. The one that you've got. Yeah. I can't even wear it because it's so long. Um, I, yeah, I just, I, I, I mean, to, all credit to Tom to be able to carry that off uh, in the way that he does because I'd be absolutely baking. Same. Yeah. In, in all that stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I like the costumes. I mean, they are extravagant, but they do work in terms of the story, don't they? I mean, the sets are really nice as well because it is all studio bound. That's another thing that. I always love it when Dot is on location. So sometimes when we get a studio bound, I I don't know what it is. I, I just, I do sometimes get a bit itchy, a little bit like, oh. <laughs> but the, the sets are lovely. They do do work really well in the story. And I think the um, costumes go really well with it as well. You know? Yeah, agreed. It's, um, and sometimes when they do the all sets thing, they don't go out on location. Sometimes they fudge it. They do like the whole blue screen whatever it's called, Ooh, chroma key, yeah. thing, uh, which can look a bit iffy at times, but they didn't need to do that really in this. I think the only the only fudge, well, not really a fudge, but the only thing they did to mimic that, I suppose, is the very first scene where the White Guardian summons him outside and he's out in what looks like just a deserty kind of sort of place where the Guardian's out there in his sun lounger having a drink. You know yeah. that bit where it's meant to be outside? Yeah. It's clearly not, but... Um, uh, so that's the only bit really that kind of would have been cool to be location, but it's it's what five minutes of screen time. It uh, kind of works, doesn't it? I was going to say I loved, I really loved the opening scene, and I love the, uh, the who's the guy who's playing the White Guardian because he's absolutely perfect. Oh yeah, that's um, in his delivery and everything. Um, I don't know what the actor's name was, but because I love the bit where the Doctor's like. Well, what if I refuse? What will happen to me? And he's like, nothing will happen to you ever again. Ever again, yeah. <laughs> and I just, I just, the way he delivers the line, absolutely perfect. Um, so, yeah, he was he was good. I really, really did enjoy that opening scene. Like you said, it's only a couple of minutes long. But uh, it, the, the landscape, although it's a set, it kind of does give you that otherworldly sort of feel, doesn't it? It's so bizarre, isn't it? This guy sat on a this strange desert landscape in a wicker chair drinking... Whatever it is he's got there, a large brandy, whatever it is. Yeah, so, Cyril Luckham. Cyril Luckham played the Guardian. Okay. Yeah, yeah. no, I liked him. I thought he, I, he's literally only in that one scene, but he just, his performance was very calm, relaxed, and just very good against Tom's manic doctor who doesn't really want to be be there. But yeah, but yeah, set's fine. I, I don't mind that set at all. It's, it is clearly a set, but it works. Yeah. I must admit, I do cringe a little bit at that opening bit. Do you? So when, so when the Doctor's just messing around. Yeah. And then the TARDIS gets forced to land, doesn't it? There's this kind of cringy bit where Dudley Simpson had wrote this bit of music, which is massive church organ. And when the doors mm-hmm. open, this huge big light comes on. And I'm just like, oh, God. It's oh, a, I see. I quite liked that. Uh, I know what you mean about the music. I think it's the church um, organ. It's like, I don't know, yeah, it's got yeah. this big gothic kind of vibe about it. You expect like Dracula to appear through the through yeah. the doors or something. So other than that, I think it's quite cool that bit. And it does set up the story really nicely because mm. uh, should we do spoilers or not? Uh, yeah, I think people will. Okay, so fair warning. If you've not watched the Key to Time stuff yet and you're following it with us, with our reviews, just be aware for the next 30 seconds, there's a little spoiler. So 
we find out, don't we, that the Guardian isn't actually the White Guardian at all. So that's kind of cool that we the, the story gets set up. I've forgotten. I'm looking really blank. <laughs> I'm like, do we? Well, yeah, I, so I, it turns so out... so long since I've watched this. Well, it turns out that that wasn't actually the White Guardian at all. It was the Black Guardian in oh, disguise. And he's just got the Doctor to go off and get all the parts for him. So, oh, right. <laughs> yeah, so later on, like way, way, way later on. Uh, what's the last story? The the Armageddon factor. Yeah. Yeah, there's, uh, there's, there's that bit, isn't there, where the Doctor finds out that so that the, the the Guardian reveals himself to be the Black Guardian. He's been in disguise as the White Guardian. I thought they had a fight at the end. I must be getting confused. Maybe I'm thinking of, you know, what's the word? Is it Terminus is it, or something? Or Enlightenment? Or I don't know. There's, there is one where you get the White and Black Guardian together. Um, I was thinking it was the end of this, but I'm, I may be getting my stories muddled. I don't really revisit this um, these stories very often. So... Yeah. Okay, well, that'd be interesting to see how that plays out because I yeah. don't remember that at all. I know the Black Guardian's in it. I remember him turning up, but yeah. Now, the only thing that made me cringe was that creature in the, um, well, what is it in the catacomb or, or the caves or whatever you want to call it? That That's the only thing that I just thought, oh, dearie me. I mean, to be fair, they do try and shoot it as much in the dark as they can <laughs> oh, to yeah, make it look yeah. more scary. But that looks rubbish. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. It's the, in um, terms of production that really doesn't look very good. That's a typical sort of what you call a classic doctor who monster, I suppose you just, yeah. <laughs> classic. Looks rubbish. Yeah. And also the cliffhangers are rubbish in this. That's it. That's because to be fair, although it's a slow story, I haven't got many negatives. I think production wise and story and script and that it's all pretty good, but, um, yeah, in terms of negatives of this, I mean, the cliffhangers are rubbish. If I was watching this back in the day as a sort of 10 to 12 year old, you know, a young kid, you know, who loves Doctor Who, this wouldn't, I wouldn't exactly be biting at the motif to watch the next, you know, I wouldn't be sat thinking, oh my, how oh, are they going to get out of that? I can't wait for next week because they're real lackluster, you know, cliffhangers, <laughs> aren't they? A little bit, a little bit. <laughs> they almost yeah. feel like they didn't have an enus as if they're trying to make, put one in um really yeah so that that's the other thing i think that doesn't help as well because i don't know about you but when a story is a little bit slower when you're looking at sort of like the time count you're thinking oh a cliffhanger's coming up in a minute something's gonna something's gonna happen in a minute whereas in this it doesn't really it kind of sticks at the same pace all the way through all four parts really um yeah pretty much we don't get a lot of action there's a bit in episode four there's a little bit when old graphs really kicking off but apart from that there's not a great deal of action or big sort of suspenseful moments in this i think maybe that's why it does feel a bit lackluster because you haven't got those great cliffhangers or anything like that i think yeah that is a yeah i didn't it didn't really bother me at the time i must admit but now you've mentioned it thinking back yeah there aren't any of those big like when we we know when we spoke about um one of the um, trial of a time lord stories. I had some really good cliffhangers um, mm. that we spoke about. Like, um, uh, what was the one with the with the pods? Terror of the Vervoids. The Vervoids one. Yeah, remember the end of episode one where um, she's up against the electric fence and the yeah. scream comes to ah, the. Yeah, I can still hear that scream. Yeah, so coming from a recent review we did where the cliffhanger was fairly decent, and we've had mm. some really good ones from Tom's era. These ones are just a bit like, yeah, 
they might as well have not done any, any cliffhanger. Really. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that sort of comes back to what I was saying about it being the start of a new season as well. Because normally you've got this great concept of the key to time. You, you've got this big, you know, they've come up with this story art for want of a better word and they're plotting it out. So you want to kick this, you want to kick the season off and get people really invested, don't you? And I think maybe for the first five, 10 minutes you would be, but after that, is this really, is this really a start of a season story or is this, because for me, maybe it's more of a second you know, or middle story. It's not for me. It's not the. It's not the sort of story you kick off a season with, to be honest. It's that's what I mean. It's a good story, but it's not. It's just not very exciting. I wouldn't. I certainly wouldn't have started with it. I would have started with that intro, but I probably would have then gone on. I mean, I, I, we're doing Pirate Planet next. It's the next story. Um, from my from my very vague memories of watching it, it's better. But I've, I haven't watched it for years. Who knows? Um, but yeah, at least at least it's got like the pirate in it and stuff, and something to really get you invested. I don't know. It just does this just doesn't feel like the start of a season story to me at all. It feels like a mid-season story, if anything. It kind of does. Yeah, I mean, that goes back yeah. to what we were saying earlier. Like, if not just like the not just the opening story to the key to time, but getting into Tom stuff is not the best one to kick off with. No, because the the kickoff is really cool in the first ten minutes or so when he's talking to the white guardian and he's mm. explaining to the doctor, you need to go off and get these pieces and so on. That's really cool because then that's like, right. Okay, cool. We're off on a cool adventure. Now we've got all these pieces to get. It's a bit like a game show. It's a bit like Annika's, you know, what was that program back in the well, 90s? Uh, treasure hunt. Treasure hunt with, uh, what's her name? Uh, <laughs> Annika Rice. Annika Rice. Yeah. It's like, yeah. right. This is the objective. We need to go off and get these pieces get on all that. It kind of feels like that in a way. It's like, right. Doctor's been charged with this mission. Let's off we go. Um, but then it does uh, it does kind of slow down a little bit, doesn't it? It mm. kind of plods a little bit in the middle. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. I guess so. There is there is an, another plot I've got though. I do like the character of Binro Binro, who's this sort of. <laughs> I like it when we get a character like this. He, he you assume because of the way he looks and talks, everything that he's going to be sort of dumb but you you warn to him because he's actually quite intelligent and there's that lovely scene where he's talking about the stars to unstop and and stuff's like no you're you're right you are right you know all this stuff you're saying is is true and he's you know he's, he's like oh really oh that's you know it's amazing because you know no one gives this guy the time of day do they and i like it when we get a character like that because i think you sort of um you warm to them don't you so mm. although he meets does he die? He does die at the end, doesn't he? He does get... Uh, anyway, yeah. Yep. Yes, he does, yeah, which is very sad. But uh, the, but that's a nice character. And again, that helps in a story like this when it is a bit ploddy, when you get some really lovely scenes like that. So I liked him. Uh, what's the actor's name? Timothy Bateson. Mm. Feel like I've seen him in other things as well. Feel like I know that face. Yeah, um, he's done loads don't know what of else stuff. He's been in. Oh, God, he's done loads. Loads. Wow, I've just opened up his wiki page. My word. No wonder I recognise him. He's done everything. Yeah. <laughs> I've not heard of any of them, but they, he's been in a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, but nice character, isn't he? Mm. I like I like that character. Really nice scene as well with old uh, what, Ustoff. How do you say his name? Unstoff? Unstoff, isn't it? Unstoff, yeah. Yeah. I had a couple of nice yeah. moments, those two. Like, yeah, yeah, really nice scene where Binro's saying that those those 
crystals in the sky that we've been told about. I think they're actually other suns, they're other stars, and yeah. there are worlds yeah. around that and stuff. And uh, you can you can tell that um, that Unstoff's like dying to say to him, "You're right, you're right," because I come from like another another place and stuff. Because the the part of the storyline, I guess, for those that have not seen it, is that the planet that we're on, Rebos is what's known as a category two planet. So that doesn't have any knowledge of other worlds or anything. So there's none of this advanced technology, any of that stuff really. So um, nobody on the planet knows about the existence of other life or worlds outside of their own planet. So Binro's kind of like a, like a trailblazer. He's like, no, 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 that's all rubbish. I've made measurements of stuff. And he starts talking about, he knows about the, orbit around the sun he's made measurements it's really cool and then and stuff's like you're right dude it's like everything you're <laughs> saying is like right and then so in a way that's kind of cool for binro because because he dies shortly after that it's kind of nice in a way not that he dies but it's nice that before he dies there's he like it right it has validation to what he was saying everyone just thought he was this nutcase this crazy old homeless person but he knew he knew he was like he had that validation at the end like yeah i was i was bang on so he's a very cool character though timothy bateson plays him really well very yeah it's a lovely performance i think yeah yeah Yeah, he is i'm not so sure about you unstoff or whatever his name i mean it's not a bad performance but i suppose when you get him up against someone like binro it the scenes are lovely but i don't know about unstoff feels a little bit I don't know, not just a little bit flat in his performance. He's not bad. He's you know he's got like a very baby face, isn't he? Yes. The, the actor yep. Nigel Plaskett. Um, he's not bad, but he's not. I don't know. He's not really giving it much. Um, unlike Garen, uh, played by Ian Cuspertson. Blimey, he yeah. certainly is giving it all. <laughs> in fact, he's giving. That and then some, and he'd give Michael Robbins, uh, Michael Robbins, a run for his money. He would. Yeah, you, it's. Uh, you, you couldn't have them two in the same. If you had Michael Robbins and um, Michael Collins, uh, no, you know from the Visitation. Um, oh, Robert, Richard, oh yeah. Rich, Richard Mace uh, was the character. Yeah, if you had him in the plague, you get him in a scene with old <laughs> Garen. My, I mean, the microphones would never cope. There'd be so much scenery being chewed it'd be unbelievable you'd have nothing left <laughs> yeah and there's he's, a bit... give, he's giving him a run for his money and he's very theatrical oh definitely mate yeah oh he doesn't steal the show though he tries he blimmin he tries. tries but i tell you who does is paul seed he plays graf jesus oh, yes oh oh my was, word it, I, dude there was a couple of times when i first watched this years ago i thought crikey <laughs> i don't know what i don't know in what point in when i was watching through tom's stuff i watched this key to time but i remember thinking crikey moses tom's ear is full of a few uh <laughs> theatricals a few theatricals yeah indeed and sometimes he he's properly chewing the wood he's like first for, for no reason for absolutely no reason he's he's bellowing at the top of his lungs yeah i'm thinking what are you shouting for dude he just loves saying his name, doesn't he? Graf, and, and no pointing, one will take the Graf <laughs> Vindicay. Yeah, and pointing in people's faces for no reason. I thought he was going to mention it? the Spanish Inquisition at one point as well, did you? Nobody expects <laughs> the Spanish Inquisition. Yeah, a lot of pointing. Um, he is over the top. I mean, the thing is with Garen, 
he's sort of, he, he, I'd put him in the same category as Michael Robbins, you know, Richard Mace. He's mm. over the top, but I kind of like him. He's, he's sort of found, he's found his character piece and he's going with it. Whereas Paul Cedar's graph, he's, he's just going over the top. He's just like, I'm the baddie, so I need to shout and I'm going to point my finger in your face. And, exactly yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. I was kind of, yeah. I, I think he was a bit OTT. He was a little bit. And his his mate who was with him. Um, oh, Sholak. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sherlock. Sholak. Sorry. Uh, Sholak. He, was, um, he wasn't too bad, although he did have a bit of a. Uh, kind of evil cackle a, a few times, and <laughs> yeah. I thought, here we go, here we go. But not well, bad characters, though, in terms of like no, written on not. paper, um, not too bad. Um, but what did you think to the the storyline? Because that obviously overtakes everything. So at the beginning of the of part one, it's all about the key and the different segments and stuff, and it's imperative the Doctor goes and retrieves them. But then once we get on Reboss, obviously the that the story gets hijacked by. Uh, Garen and Unstoff, who were there to essentially just rob the planet. You know, they want to get millions mm. of whatever the currency is. Is it Rebex or something like that? Rybex, whatever yeah. it is. So it becomes about them two being con men, trying to con the graph out of all this money and all that stuff. What do you think to that story? Because that's the the main thing, I suppose. To be honest, the actual storyline is a bit thin, I think, uh, especially for a Robert Holmes script. It's a bit thin, but what Robert Holmes manages to do, which I think saves it, is he does sort of do some quite good world be um, world building and characters. So you do, thankfully, you know, the characters, although they are over the top, they are quite memorable and they do carry the story. But if you break it down to its basics, the storyline is a bit flimsy, to be honest. You take out the whole key to time element, You've basically just got two crooks trying to sell a planet and steal a crystal. And that's that's pretty much it. But because he manages to sort of create this world around it and the characters, it does take it up to the next level, I think, which, you know, thankfully. But it's not the best story, to be fair. It's certainly not one of Robert Holmes' better scripts, I don't think. But it, well, sorry, better stories. The script itself is actually quite sharp. This, you know, the actual script is good, but the actual storyline uh, is not one of Robert Holmes' best, I wouldn't say. But he's good. He, he always comes up with double acts. Robert Holmes, you'll know, you know, you'll always notice that he always likes to write a double act. Nearly all of his stories have got a a, a double act in them. So you get Garen and Unstoff in this. Um, there's a great scene at the end, isn't there, where the doctor, <laughs> where you stop, sorry, Garen tries to steal the crystal yeah. and, by <laughs> hugging the doctor and then the doctor manages to switch it back. I mean, that lovely scenes like that. Um, I think that, you know, the, the double act works well. Yeah. No, he would have given, he would have been a good writer for some Disney projects. I think Robert Holmes, yeah, Robert Holmes. Yeah. Cause Disney films like the old animated ones. have always got a double act somewhere. They've always got oh, a couple see, of little right. kind of funny double act that's going on somewhere outside of the main characters. It would have been good for that. It would have been a dark Disney film, but it still would have been good. Yeah. I was going to say, he can, he can be quite dark. Um, Robert Holmes. Yeah. Uh, he wrote one of my favorite Blake seven episodes called orbit, which is basically mostly around, uh, centered around a double act. Um, and the two, two characters are just brilliant. I mean, when, you know, when he, I can just tell he had a ball writing it. I think he just really enjoys that sort of interaction between, you know, a good double act, if you like. Um, I'm trying to think of the names. Pinder and, oh gosh, what's his name? 
Agrorian, that's it. Yeah, in this episode, Blake, so an Agrorian and Pinder, just two absolutely brilliant characters that Robert Homer creates. And they do carry that story pretty much. The, you know, you really get to know them in that 45 minutes. And in a way, the sort of rest of the cast become a bit secondary to them. Uh, um, it's a great, great episode. But, you know, it's very dark as well. Very humorous, but very dark. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's written by Robert Holmes. But I think that's a good example of his sort of writing style. That he, he tends to stick to that format. He puts the double act in. They're the sort of, lead, you know, carrying the story forward. And then you get the sort of Doctor or, or Blake and his crew and that coming in. And, you know, they join their story, if you like. Right, yeah. right. But he can be dark, Robert Holmes. I mean, he wrote The Sunmakers, which is another story that I think you have to be in the mood for. Um, and I put this in the same category. I, I would have to be in the mood to watch this again, but um, but I wouldn't say it's bad. It's just it's just different. Yeah, it's not. No, I'll read you. I'll read you. Yeah. Yes. Um, so music we spoke about a little bit. Dudley Simpson. Oh, Dudley. There's a couple of all right bits in this actually. A couple of cool bits, but some yeah. of it's also a little bit, a little bit quirky. I think it's the Apart best from the one. organ music, I didn't really notice anything standing out, to be honest. Um, yeah, music was all right. Yeah, it's not too bad. Um, uh, we've spoken about sets. It's all set-based. Set looks pretty good, actually, in terms of yeah. production stuff. The only thing is, from a production point of view, like a lot of classic here, is that it's all lit exactly the same. So every set and every scene. Apart from, they did, they did, um, they darkened it down a little bit when they go into the catacombs later on. Yeah, they darkened it a bit, but overall, it's just every scene has got the same lights and it's all lit the same. But I think they redress a set, don't they? About three times in mm-hmm. this, it's the same set, but they put candles in it for one, you know, to make it look different. They make they make good use of the set, so I'll put it that way. And um, I like the snowy set where the TARDIS arrives and all that. It looks pretty good. They're very basic when you actually think about it, but they they don't look bad. They they do utilize them pretty well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, we've spoken about Tom, spoken about uh, Mary Tam. Oh, K9's back, dude. Forgot to mention old K9. Oh, K9, with the, yeah, because the dog whistle gets used a few times, doesn't it? Yeah. Which is a nice little touch. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've always said I love K9, but there are times when I just think, <laughs> I mean, you can see why they got annoyed of him in terms of a production side of things. He is a bit slow, and they've managed to quiet down his... Um, motor in this one which is good he's not quite as loud uh, uh, what was it we were watching recently where uh, every time canine moved he was so loud um zzz, yeah, yeah. You, could, you just couldn't yeah. hardly hear the actors over him so they've managed to quieten that down but like with the scene at the end where romana opens the door for him to get in the tardis and she doesn't even leave it open long enough i mean there's no way he got in there um <laughs> you, you can see the restrictions of him at, at times i think as much as i like him um, but yeah, uh, John Leeson, he's, he's, you know, he's, he is canine, isn't he? He's great as canine, but yeah, there um, is, um, they were a bit of trivia. There was a, they were in two minds about whether to bring canine back or not for that very reason. They had so many problems with, with that prop, um, yeah. throughout season 15 and, and all that. They were like, I, I think a lot of the production team were like, we just can't do it. It's just the breaking down all the time. He's loud. He's clunky. So I think what the the deciding factor was so many of the younger viewers really liked K9. So they were like, okay, we have to appeal to to a decent audience, I suppose. So and I think they said, look, 
it's cool that he's been written in and all that stuff, but you have to, I think the prop, I think they said to the prop guys, look, you have to come with us some assurances. You have to redesign him a little bit. If he, as long as you can guarantee that he's going to be quieter, he's going to work properly and all that stuff, then, then fine. We'll, we'll, we'll stick him in. So I think he's Mark two now in the introduction of canine Mark two from this point. I think so. Yeah. yeah I, so. I loved canine as a kid. I remember like being really, distraught when he did leave the show so I, i'm glad he's there but yeah totally get why he was a bit problematic they also i remember seeing or reading or maybe i saw it in the making of that they when leela left they were originally wanted to bring back sarah jane didn't they they contacted liz sladen to yes. to get her to come back and um she couldn't or didn't want to or whatever reason um so they then decided to invent this new character of romana but uh I, as much as I love Sarah Jane, I think it would have been a mistake to bring her back at this point because her story was done and she had a lovely send off in Hand of Fear. And um, yeah, I'm kind of glad that she didn't come back at this point. As much as I absolutely love Sarah Jane, I, I don't think it would have. Um, it's almost like taking not a step back, but you know what I'm trying to say. It would have been, oh, we're trying to go back to the Doctor and Sarah days. You know, you've got to keep moving on. Uh, so I'm I'm glad that she didn't come back in the nicest way. I'm glad that they invented this new character of Romana. I think it keeps the show moving forward. Yeah, I, th- I kind of agree. Maybe um, Liz Sladen also thought along similar lines because she declined. She wasn't because she, she was declined it. Yeah. yeah. So maybe she thought a similar thing. Like you know, her her part of the story's done. And obviously, you know, she ultimately came back years and years later. But I think coming back so soon would have been a mistake i think because yeah i think hurst it was really it was cool how they had that era of of um sarah jane and i think to bring it her back so soon would have been like oh. it's almost like well the show's not working unless sarah jane's character's in it I, just, mate, I do wonder if they were thinking along the lines of that like you know in terms of tom knowing how tom had been with leela do you think maybe the production team were like, oh, we need to get Liz back because, you know, Tom, he's, he just hasn't worked well with Louise and we want, you know, want to get back to the dynamic of the Doctor. Maybe that was, you know, in the back of their minds, they were just trying to get back to to that. I don't know. But it, it does seem odd that they considered, well, more than considered it, that they approached it to do it. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I think it's absolutely right. I, I mean, gosh, Ramada, she's a great character. Um you know, this time time lady. I think they actually describe her as the time lady. I don't think I can get in trouble for saying that. That's her description, isn't it? This this time lady. And she's a good, strong, feisty character. Mm-hmm. Um and it's a it's a different dynamic with the doctor as well, which um makes it feel a bit fresher. So yeah. I like the character of Romana. She is quite cool. She's, yeah. she's quite cool. Actually. I'm looking forward to seeing more of her as this as this season goes on. It's weird to think that she'll turn into uh, Lala Ward. Actually, not till the following season, is it? I know we, I know we get to see Lala Ward in this season, but not as Romana. <laughs> uh, strangely enough, I don't know. I know she's in it. She is in it. Yeah. Can't quite w- rem- yeah. remember how that works, but anyway, yeah, going to be interesting. But I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing more of Romana. One, I, um, I feel I forget her too, a bit too much. She is overlooked, isn't she? For overlook. Sure. I overlook her too much. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people do, though. It's yeah. Yeah, she's cool, and uh, I think we've talked about the shriven zales, those creatures would look like. I thought the, uh, I thought the what are the hand puppets? I thought they were <laughs> bad. 
You're not on about the Drashigs. The Drashigs. I thought they were bad. <laughs> this kind of wonky, rubbery oh, thing that's hopping along with someone's hand that's clearly looks like a Blue yeah, Peter yeah. job. I thought they were bad. Bloody hell. They, they, they're probably the worst thing in it. Yeah. I mean, as I said, production-wise, I can't really fault this one, but uh, they look, when they swore then, they look bad. <laughs> yeah. They're not on screen for long, though, to be fair. Yeah. So. I mean, it's, it's really funny as well, because they don't reveal the whole thing, do they, at first? Yeah. You just saw these, you see these big claws underneath the thing. and That's the cliffhanger to episode one, isn't it? Because I think that's why I particularly thought, <laughs> oh, God, that was rubbish. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. It's, fu- it's funny, but yeah, yeah. not the best... Uh, I mean, they're arguably better than the Drashigs, but still not a great. Oh no! You know, I love I love the Drashigs. I know I you do. I do. I think they're great. But... Winds me up because I think they're one of the worst things ever <laughs> in classic. Who. All those eyes, they can't see a thing. Oh, <laughs> That's what I always remember about your review. They got all those eyes, they can't, they see, can't anything. see a thing. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit like the Tet Traps, isn't it? Tet Traps got uh, an eye at the back. Has it got? Hang on, no, it's got four eyes, isn't it? A Tet Trap. Yeah, it can't see a blimmin' thing. <laughs> well, it can, but not very well. Not very well. Yeah, it must be a running theme in, in Doctor Who Monsters. <laughs> yeah, give them all these eyes because they look good. Yeah. But then when you think about, yeah. Ah, yeah. Oh dear. Anyways. Um, I don't think I've got anything. I'm looking at my pad. I don't think I've got anything left on this one. No, I haven't. No. Um, it's going to be a tricky one to score. I think it's me to go first. Yeah, you go first. I think this was so tricky because, you know, I often do this. When before I watch of something, I always think, oh, from the last time I watched it. So I've got this score in my head already. And then I re-watch it and talk about it with you. Mm. Talk about it with you. And then I'm like, oh, okay. So I think I'm going to go 6.5. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, that's what I originally wrote. Okay. Yeah. But I... I'm going to go over seven. <laughs> oh. It's just that I totally get why you've gone 6.5. Um, it's I'm, I'm sort of between the two because it is, the thing is, it's not a bad, I, anything sort of under a seven, I start to think it's bad, you see. That's why I'm going to seven because I, I think production-wise, cast, its script is pretty sharp. I can't really go under seven just because it's boring because it's, it does have other stuff in there, which I think makes it better than a, you know, Underworld, for example, is is dreadful. That is like a four or five or even a three. This is not bad in the, in anywhere near that sense, you know. So I'm going to yeah. go with seven. But okay. I was, I was, I did actually write 6.5. That's what I was going to go for. But I don't think it's quite that low. I'm going to go with seven. Okay. Okay, yeah, yeah, I gave it a six point five because it's not terrible. It's it's kind of cool. It's got some some good moments in. It. I really like Tom and Mary Tamlet. They really work well together and stuff. Uh, but it's just some of the performances just really hammy and yeah. terrible. And it's not. Uh, it's, I don't know. It's okay, but I think yeah, I don't want to go any higher than that because um, yeah, there are a lot you. more stories that are a seven and upwards. Yeah. So, but there totally we go. Yeah, totally get you, mate. Cool. I totally understand where you're coming from. What did our beautiful listeners think to this one then? Uh, We've got some audio clips in as always. Thank you so much, guys. We're going to kick off with our regular. This is Sammy from Down Under. Hey, Gary and Adam. Sammy Satine here. So the Ribos operation. The king seems to have guards who are wearing Ned Kelly-style helmets. Speaking of famous Australian things, 
I'm a bit cross Garen decided to sell Sydney Harbour and indeed almost sold the opera house. <sighs> Jeez, odd. I've not seen these stories before. I like to save classic Who stories for when you review them on the podcast as much as possible. That way, if I don't like a story, I never have to see it again. I like Romana one. One of my pals from the Doctor Who fan club dressed up as her last convention. She looked great. Remember conventions? I give it seven Jathrock pieces out of ten. See ya. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Sammy, as always. Sammy. Um, Moving on, this is Seb Lane, but not as we know him. Hello, Gary and Adam. It's Tom Baker here. Well, what are we reviewing this week? The Reboss Operation. Well, this is the start of season 16, and it kicks off the key to time era. Now, I think this tale is very underrated. Mary Tam as Romana One is very good in it. I much prefer her to Romana Two, if I may say so myself. It is rather forgettable in places, but I really enjoyed watching this, and I think that it doesn't get the love that it deserves. So, that is it. I would give it a 7 out of 10. A very solid story in some places. Bye for now. 7. Seven. God, I wish I could get my voice. I can't get my voice deep. I like that. Yeah. No, it's, t- it's hard. It's hard. <laughs> it is. Only when I've got a cold. It's the only time I can ever do it. <laughs> a seven from Tom. I mean, Seb. Seb. Cheers, Seb. <laughs> Last one. This is TARDIS Net. Hello, Gary and Adam. So, the rival separation. I don't have an awful lot to say about this one, to be honest. I think the White Guardian is a great expansion upon the Doctor Universe upon Dot 2 lore and continuity, and I really like him, and I think Tom Baker is excellent in this one, as he really shows himself as this reckless, renegade Time Lord, and he's rather rebellious, and I really like his conflict with Romana One, played by Mary Tam, who um, shows herself as more of an inexperienced academic with the Doctor as this more weathered and experienced time traveller, and I really like that conflict and dynamic. But the story itself, I can't really remember anything about, which sort of says it all, to be honest. I don't think, oh, I'm going to stick on the ride by separation. I just never grab for the DVD. It's just unmemorable. Hmm. Unmemorable. It, is a, it is a bit. I know what you mean. I mean, I don't think I'll be reaching for it anytime soon, but I, I, I won't look at it as one. It won't be one that will never be watched again. It, it's not an underworld or something like that, but it's, yeah. I know what you mean. It's a bit forgettable. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, I absolutely get that, actually. Because mm. before I watched it last night, I couldn't remember a, a large portion of it. I can only remember the glove scene. It's literally all I can remember <laughs> about it. <laughs> <laughs> Which I could watch on repeat. <laughs> there must be a gif of that knocking it's about. It's got to be, surely. Yeah. If not, we have to make one. Yeah. Thank you very much to our audio reviewers. Much appreciated for you taking the time to do that, as always. I'm going to rattle through the socials. Over on Twitter, we have Dan Pin, who said, I find it really enjoyable slash watchable. The last story is a bit of a slog, but it's a six-part. I love Mary Tam, my favourite Romana. 
All right, okay. A lot of love for Mary Tam, which is good. Yeah. Our writer Jordan Shortman says, not my favourite story from the series, but it's all right. I like a lot of the humour, and I've always loved Mary Tam's Romana. I've always thought she was brilliant in the role. Otherwise, it's a story where some of the guests are a little OTT, which lets it down in the end. Yeah. Uh, The Universe of Who says, possibly my least favourite story from the Tom Baker era. Uh, besides oh, really? a strong opening 10 minutes, this story is painfully boring and excruciatingly dull. Uh, Tom Baker and Mary Tam are great, but that's about it, really. It's not terrible, but it's just goddamn boring. You wait till we get to Power of Crawl, mate. Crawl. <laughs> <laughs> then then you're going to be in some territory, let me you're tell you. You're in trouble then. Whoa. Anyways, let's, let's not put a downer on it. Oh, yeah, sorry. Let's not jump ahead. <laughs> we're all good. We're good. Uh, Caitlin Dalek 100 says, not my favourite of season 16 but it's still a decent watch both tom and mary bounce off each other really well uh for the first story kind of slow in places which i wasn't great with however the whole key to time concept is very intriguing and quite exciting seven out of ten who university one says part one starts the story off well but everything after that is painfully boring and dull Uh, i would never rewatch it the worst in the season and one of tom baker's worst serials Oh, I don't know. Oh, dear. I'm not sure. Michael Manzo, Mazzano, sorry, says, my favourite of all, Romana 1, short and sweet. Oh, nice. Uh, no, not the mind probe, <laughs> says, uh, love the Rebus operation. The world building is excellent. The word play is genius. The setup is outrageous. The atmosphere and characters are beautiful. Binro's story and Unstoff uh, reversal always brings a lump to my throat. Tom and Tam are wonderful to watch. Their chemistry is ace. Mm-hmm. Okay. A lot of love there. Joe Castle says yeah, it was a lovely, uh, has a lovely theatrical feel. It's beautifully directed and has some excellent characters. It's hard to believe that it's Mary Tam's first story because she seems to nail Romana from the start. Yeah. It's a great story. Yeah. Uh, Lost on Gallifrey podcast. Uh, part one is a great intro to the key to time and Romana. But apart from that, there's not much there. Tom Sparkles loved the glove slap scene uh, and does throughout the season. <laughs> Romana. One uh, makes an instant impact and oozes elegance, uh, but a dull story, so five out of ten. Davros1736 uh, says, bit of a plodder, this one. Weak story, yeah. but Tom elevates as usual. He is at the peak of his powers here as the Doctor. Uh, the glove scene is brilliant. Mary Tam is great, so a really good foil for Tom and the equally strong character rather than a generic companion. Mm. Very true. Rick Moran from the Doctor Appreciation Society says, Tom Baker and Mary Tam are immediately very amusing together with the sparkling script by Robert Holmes delivered to perfection by them. The humour goes a little over the top with the Doctor and the Graf glove slapping each other, (laughs) but it's later very funny when all characters hide in the catacombs. The Doctor with the skeleton and Romana on top of Garen, very funny. The Seeker has clearly been on the gin. (laughs) <laughs> and is oh we, <laughs> we forgot, forgot the seeker we forgot the seeker we'll come on to it in a second the seeker has clearly been on the gin and it's definitely over the top <laughs> binro is great i love the scenes with and stuff fun enjoyable romp and eight out of ten yeah i can't believe we forgot the seeker. we forgot the it? crazy old bat oh the, uh... yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, i think that's dude. all we need to say about it, really the crazy old bat yeah the seeker played by Anne uh and tirard yeah. um she was do you know what mate i, I why we didn't mention it when we were talking about actors going over the top. She was really going for it at certain <laughs> places, wasn't she? Oh, so as soon as she put that horn hat on, that was it. Yeah. She was in character. Yeah. <laughs> Crikey Moses. Probably loads of listeners like, what about the seeker? 
what about the seeker sorry guys yeah it's um yeah she was interesting um th- thank you very much rick uh herald of creation says classy and clever uh we get world building and prophecy and mary tam mm. john griffith says god i bloody love this oh really tom and tam riff of each other from the off ian cuthbertson is superb and binro star dreams are lovely only Colonel Sanders masquerading as the White Guardian and shouty Graf let it down a little bit. Mm. Uh, nine rare Jethrix from me. A nine. Okay. Nine, all right. Yeah. Nice one. Edward Galuli, really looking forward to hearing what everyone has to say about this season. I enjoy Rebus Operation. Tom is good and Mary is excellent. She is a very underrated companion. Yes. Uh, good support cast. The costumes, especially Romana's in this, are great. A 7.5. All right, yeah. Um... Uh, I've already had Dan pin. Oh, this is like a follow-up. Sorry. Uh, Dan also says a solid, if unspectacular start to the season introduces the new companion. Well, how great is Mary Tam? My favorite Romana Tom's on top form. Garen and stuff. Another brilliant Holmes double act. Uh, Bin Rose story is really touching. Rest of the cast are pants. Six out of 10. <laughs> Cheers, Dan pants. Uh, Sarah Louise, the running Hoovian. Always running. Always running says a good start to the story arc. Maybe not the most enthralling episode, but they set the scene and intro and characters well. I love the dynamic between Romana and the Doctor and find it to be an amusing first part. A seven out of ten. Oh, seven. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and over on Facebook, we had a few there. So Jeff Waddle says, can appreciate it more now, but as a nine-year-old, the dialogue-heavy plot was a little was of little interest to me and I find the story dull. But nowhere near the worst of the season. A six out of ten. I must admit, I did think halfway through this, if I was watching this as a kid back in the day, I'd be bored rigid. Bored out your mind. Yep. <laughs> um, Charlie Turner says, a pretty good start to a mixed bag of a season. The scene when the Doctor and Romana debate over Romana's name is funny. Uh, eight, it's either Romana or Fred. All right, mm-hmm. call me Fred. Right, come on, Romana's out of ten. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Toby Coleman says I enjoyed it when I watched it some great funny moments between the Doctor and Fred Uh, it's brilliant and the plot is a bit boring but it's made up by the pantomime levels of overacting and an interesting story six Freds out of ten and lastly Miller McKenzie says this is an odd one One, on one hand it's great fun character driven script full of quirky dialogue and enjoyable story lovely costumes and wonderful theatrical overacting on the other hand let's be honest it's really kind of boring so seven out of ten. Seven, yeah. Okay. So what do we think then? Fairly decent scores for this one. Average is about a seven, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a it's just one of them, isn't it? It's just it'll never stand out, but it's not bad either. It's oh, bless it. Bless the old mm. uh, the old Ryboss. <laughs> the Reboss operation. So next week, bud, what we got then? Yeah, moving on next week to the second part of this key to time season it's the pirate planet the, mr Vibbly. <laughs> the, i love the way you said that moving on to this thing yeah, as we get through this on. old thing the key to time i'm hoping this will be better because um <laughs> i remember it being better but i don't remember loving it I'm, I'm i'm really looking forward to re-watching this one it's uh like a lot of the key to time it's kate in dust haven't watched it in ages but um i think this one will have a bit more go to it i think a bit more oomph. Hopefully. Yeah. yeah. Mr. Fibrillier. Yeah. Lots of shout. I remember there's lots of shouting. Yeah. Shouty any- pirate in this one. Yeah. If anyone thought that Graf from 
from Ribos <laughs> was shouty, then yeah. Yep. Imagine being the, in the rehearsal studio next door going, I oh, will outdo these next week. You wait. Very good. You think, you think that's shouting? You, just you wait. <laughs> so next week then, the Pirate Planet. Pirate Planet, yeah. Get your DVDs and get them watched. We'll be asking for your opinion as always. And I think we'll wrap there, bud, for 273. All righty. <laughs> Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening to us for another week for episode 273. It's been great to have you all on board. As always, new listeners, welcome aboard. Welcome to the TARDIS. Long-time listeners, welcome back. It's great to have you all listening to the show. Next week for 274, we're going to continue with the key to time, as Adam said. Next up is the Pirate Planet. So get your DVDs or your um, Britbox thing fired up get that watch because we'll be asking for your thoughts as always so keep an eye out on the socials for that in the meantime head over to the website big blue box podcast at uk you can listen to all of our shows over there plus there's loads of cool articles and reviews from our writing team keeping you up to date with all the stories and whatnot that's going on in the world of doctor who there's also links to those podcast apps and if you have a minute if you like what the show like what we do and you can leave a review and a rating. That would be awesome because that helps us out loads and loads. We're on the socials too, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, give us a like and a follow over there. We chat plenty of Doctor Who throughout the week. And we have a free Discord server as well. There's a link to that on the website. Come and hang out throughout the week and chat plenty of Doctor Who over there as well. Also, check out my co-host's channel over on YouTube, The Geek's Handbag. Yeah, The Geek's Handbag. Go and check out some geekery (laughs) videos over there. Get yourself a cold beer, as Adam said earlier, and chill out. There's loads of cool stuff. I say that every week, and it's not a lie. So many cool videos to get lost in over on Adam's channel. And Adam is on the socials, too, under the same name, The Geek's Handbag. So come and follow, like and follow, and chat who over there, too. Indeed. Yes, we're going to try and suss out what's going on with the Ninth Doctor who seemingly disappeared from the Time Lord Victorious stuff. So if any of our listeners Mm -hmm. out there know what's happening with him on whatever story, then let us know. Send us a tweet or something, because at the moment he's gone AWOL. (laughs) He's on all the covers, but he's not actually doing anything to help at the story. So (laughs) it'd be good if we could have uh, a little bit of Ninth Doctor action. Because as many of our listeners know on the show, we love the Ninth Doctor and wish he did more. So there we go. Come on, Chris. Come on. So until next week, <laughs> my name's Gary. My name's Adam. And remember, Elondi! Elondi!